Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey there, it's Eric Corrine from The Athletic and Jurassic Pod. Before we get to the podcast, just a few corrections. When we were discussing Fred Van Vliet's potential contract extension, I said that the Raptors could offer him a four-year extension on top of the final two years of his current deal. That's wrong. An extension plus his current deal can only equal a total of five years. The Raptors could still offer Van Vliet an extension, but it just couldn't be that exact number. In addition, Holly answered my question about when Scotty Barnes would make his first All-Star game, saying 2023. She meant in his third season, 2024. Same as me. Sorry to ruin the ending of the podcast, but it had to be done. Happy New Year, guys, and enjoy the pod. Hello, and welcome to Jurassic Pod, end of 2021 edition. There's a pandemic going on. We're largely not going to talk about it because, God, I can't write about protocols anymore. <laughs> Joining me all the way from the Atlantic time zone, it's Holly McKenzie. How are you doing, Holly? Hi, how are you? I I am okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, stuff continues to happen because of this pandemic. Uh, <laughs> we just heard that a Miami-San Antonio game was postponed because mm-hmm. the Heat didn't have the requisite number of players available. Uh, the World Junior Hockey Championships, uh, the the Boys World Juniors have been canceled. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, because there was a wedding in one of the hotel, <gasps> in one no. of the hotels where the American and Swedish teams were staying. And that seems to have likely been the event that. Uh, oh my gosh! How is it not a closed it. hotel? How um, is this hotel not closed to just these teams? Uh, I don't want to besmirch the good name of Alberta, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm just going to say governments make choices, and uh, yeah. Um, wow! I was, <laughs> and by the way, when you said the boys' tournament, and I giggled, I was in no way giggling about the cancellation. Uh, I was just. I was just laughing at a conversation that we had. I was giggling about a conversation we conversation we had prior to recording where um, we were talking about the end of the year. And I normally you would say, yay, a new year. And this will be the second New Year's where there is no sense of yay, a new year. Um, um, I thought it's just funny because the word boys is inherently funny. Um, but whatever. Uh, yeah, so that's what's going on in this world. Uh, of course, the pandemic uh-huh. made it much of a fake week for the Toronto Raptors, who since we last- Fake week, play- fake week. Uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> since we talked last, <laughs> uh, played two games, a 45-point loss to Cleveland, in which the eight players, the Raptors, uh, had in uniform, had combined to play less games, fewer games, than Kevin Love, who started for the Cavaliers- 
Right. Uh, while Walter, my dog, plays with his ball and shows it off to me while we're <laughs> I recording. Heard it. I heard yeah, Walter. he is uh my wife just got home and uh he is he is fired up. Uh he is now <laughs> biting a sofa pillow. It's very good. <laughs> I'm um, so glad that one of us is fired up. That's great. Yeah, uh, no, no. Walter to- has no concept of the pandemic <laughs> other than it means you're uh, home. <laughs> we're both of us, or one of us is usually home, and, and the period in which uh, we're going to have to leave him for long stretches just keeps on getting pushed back, <laughs> which will only make it worse that whenever that happens. Oh, Walter! Walter's such a great dog name. Um, just to p- refresh my brain, because just to make me realize what's happening here. Was the game against the Cavs after our previous podcast? It was, right? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, okay. So since we last talked, there was that game. Uh, and then on Tuesday, we're talking to you on Wednesday, right. uh, the Raptors lost to Philly in a much more entertaining game in which three three more Raptors came back from protocols. Delano Banton missed the game. He had previously played against Cleveland. He didn't play because of a knee contusion. Mm -hmm. But as you would expect, when you go from zero starters to two starters, the Raptors were much more competitive. And it was, uh, I'd say, a fun five-point loss as much as any sporting events can be fun right now. It was. Uh, They also turned over a call, um, an out-of-bounds call, to give the ball back to the Sixers with like six seconds left, 6.1 seconds left, I think it was. Again, don't count on my memory being correct for anything right now. Uh, That's great. I probably should have looked that up. I think it was 6.1 seconds left. They gave the ball back to Philly, and it was so disappointing because it had been such a fun game, especially throughout the fourth. And it was like, can we not just like collectively just give the ball to the Raptors? Spiritually, it would have been more fun, although I'm left remembering Brendan Boston, uh, who has entered the protocols himself for the Clippers, the Clippers rookie getting a chance to tie it the other night and after having an awesome game and just like producing a pretty terrible shot in which case the people would have been up in the comments holly (laughs) so maybe it's a good thing that didn't happen yes i know i just wanted a really fun end uh speaking of uh him going into protocol i have been anxiously watching every hourly update hoping and keeping my fingers crossed and just really sincerely hoping that nothing affects Serge Ibaka's return to Toronto on Friday. It'll be his first return since leaving the Raptors um, because I want Serge to have his return, but also because I've been working on a huge piece and uh, I know that doesn't matter at all in the grand scheme of things, but man, I will be bummed if that has to be punted. Uh, yeah, uh, assuming it's not, check it out at the Toronto Star. Uh, yeah, Holly, Holly's good at writing. Um, <laughs> Thanks. So Serge is good at Serge is good at uh, being a good human and good, good love at to humaning. Talk about him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So for the listeners, we're going to briefly talk about what went on this week, and like hopefully we're going to keep it to ten or twelve minutes, and then we're going to go big picture for twenty twenty two. A few big questions, a few smaller questions. Uh, because really there's only so much to say about <laughs> uh, what we just witnessed if we're not getting into the machinations, uh, machinations rather, of protocol, which we're not doing because I've decided. Um, so in the Philly game, I think the biggest 
note slash performance of the week was Siakam's return. Uh, first of all, Nick Nurse said he was worried about all the players returning mm-hmm. conditioning. Uh, and then Pascal Siakam played 42 minutes. Um, Gary Trent <laughs> played 41. Uh, but what was heartening about that is that even though Siakam played 42 minutes, even though he said he was tired pretty much the whole game, he had 28, 8, and 6. Uh, the Raptors were plus 2 when he was on the floor. He was awesome. Yeah, he was. Uh, as, good as, as good as he has looked post hiatus, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that largely continues the trend we've seen in the last few weeks with obviously the, um, his absence and protocols accepted that he is playing, you know, not every night's going to be 28 and six. But he's playing some pretty fine basketball, and last and Tuesday night might have been his finest game against you know a team that is uh, and specifically a defender in Joel Embiid mm-hmm. that has often confounded him, and that's mm-hmm. got to be good news. Yeah, a team and a, and a system that is very familiar with Siakam and what he can do. Uh, I did think that there were some stretches in the fourth where everyone on the Raptors just looked really tired. And then to hear him say after the game uh, that he felt tired the whole game kind of made that check out. It was like, yeah, okay, that did, it did look like that. Um, but his effort was awesome. And like you said, he looked great. It was really, really good to see him come back and and be healthy more than anything, like more than his stats or any of that, more than the 42 minutes, just to hear him say that um, this time around, um, being sick felt more like a cold and he, you know, he wasn't as sick and didn't lose weight the way that he did, um, a year ago. Just hope it continues to be like that for everyone who's coming back or who's going into protocol. Yeah. We don't know when, uh, there, there are five Raptors, I believe still in protocol. Uh, it sounds like based on his tweet and Nick Nurse, uh, speaking after the game that Fred Van Vliet should be joining the Raptors soon. They didn't hold a full practice on Wednesday, uh, but guys can c- continue to get individual work or work in small groups up. Uh, and where Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Justin Champagne, Sh- and uh, <laughs> Isaac Banga are in comparison, we don't know, but mm-hmm. it's reasonable to think uh, knock on wood, since they're all vaccinated, that they probably aren't that far behind. And, you know, knock on wood, seven times, we might get a look at something approaching a full version of the Raptors soon. And I, I know we've we've talked about it, but when Yuta Watanabe went down last yeah. night and it looked really bad uh, and he returned yeah. to the game with just a jammed ankle, maybe it's a sign that 2022 is going to be different. Maybe you know we're what? getting something closer to full health. I, I, like I went full optimist in my story off of which the is always Sixers alarming game. when you're going optimist. I, yeah. I I hear danger bells when you're the optimist. Yeah. Yeah, but but I'm, <laughs> let, let's just roll with it. I'm sick of the other way for now. Listen, I keep seeing this meme that's like, oh no, 2022 is just 2022. <laughs> I haven't seen that. <laughs> and every time I get mad at it. Um, but what you just said just reminded me of that. But I did want to say you mentioned Siakam having like the biggest uh, performance of the night. And um, obviously his return was a huge deal. And I'm so glad that he was back. But I have to mention Chris Boucher, who 
nearly finished with a 30 and 20 game and I wanted it so badly for him. It would have been the first 30-20 game in franchise history. He ended up finishing with 28 and 19 and I actually think it should have been 20 because there was a possession where he had the ball before it went out of bounds that like, come on, you're playing at home. Couldn't the stack crew not have made that be <laughs> Boucher's 20th rebound? We've seen, we've seen worse from different various home arenas that shall remain unnamed. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was thrilled for him. I, uh, I was so excited when I noticed it and thought, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think I first noticed it when you tweeted something like that. And I was like, what <sighs> the hell? Like, it was like I, midway I, I knew, through the fourth. I knew he was like, he was obviously hitting a bunch of shots, a bunch mm-hmm. of three-pointers, and that just hasn't happened for him this year by a large degree. I think he hit like three or four in the third quarter alone, which was, you know, speaking of alarming, mm-hmm. uh, things that ha- don't usually happen and are alarming, like Boucher has not looked like that this season. And he certainly did uh, in that in that second half there. And what's wild about Boucher, uh, and, and, you know, it's, to, it's somewhat to be expected given the pieces that were around him, is he might have been the worst Raptor a night the uh, in Sunday's game, and he was the most experienced player in terms of like playing for the Raptors on the roster. And he just looked like a guy who didn't know where his shots were, was not making the right play, and like it's easy to chalk some of a, a lot of that, frankly, up to a team in which nobody was in their ideal role, really. Uh, but you know, you hope that your more experienced guys can somewhat not, if not direct traffic, show how to play and show the spirit and sort of style with what you want to play. And I thought Boucher, in as much as anybody was culpable in that game, and I realized that it was, you know, just a silly farce of a game all around, like Boucher was culpable in that game. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of goes back to what I know you've talked about this on this podcast, but he seems to be a player who is much better when he knows exactly what his role is going to be, like when he's going to be coming into the game, how long he's going to be. You know what I mean? Like when it, when his role is cemented in the rotation and he knows who he's playing with, he just seems to play better. He doesn't seem like the guy that's really good at maybe playing with a bunch of random guys. And that was absolutely what happened in that game. And you really saw it. Yeah, and that's why it will be interesting if and when the Raptors get healthy, if he can, you know, streamline his production in, let's say, a pair of eight-minute stints each half, like eight-minute stints each half versus, you know, being assured of 25 to 30 minutes a night. Uh, but it was certainly nice to see Boucher have, you know, the type of game that he had multiple times last year, uh, again, in a bigger role that than we probably probably would have thought going into last year. Uh, so we'll see how that continues. And just quickly before we move on to 2022, I want to touch DJ. on D- DJ Wilson, <laughs> one of the uh, four hardship call-ups the Raptors uh, have made in the wake of their battle with uh, the COVID protocols. And he was a plus 13 against Philly a night after looking, again, as comfortable as anybody looked in that godforsaken game uh, against Cleveland. Uh, he's immediately the tallest guy on the roster at 6'10". Uh, you know, it's not like he's bulky, uh, but he provided 
some decent defense on Joel mm-hmm. Embiid. Also, he uh, was a plus 13 in a game and he only played in the second half because he was still clearing protocol in the first half. However, that unfolded. Uh, yeah, imagine, we, I, I wonder how that game would have been had he gotten to play in the first half as well. Yeah, uh, and I mean, the Raptors were only trailing seven after the fir- first half. It's not like they got blown out and made some huge comeback. They they got down, I believe, 13 in the second half. So he didn't solve things on his own, but certainly a useful part. You can see why he makes sense on this roster. Yeah, in in a rundown, in you have a bit about DJ and then in, in brackets in caps lock, you have tax, blah, blah. And to that, I do say, blah, blah. I want DJ Wilson to remain on this team. Figure it out. I don't care what has to happen. Let him call Toronto home. That's that's my yeah, take on this. Um, in my story, I got a few questions asking how likely it is that the Raptors can keep DJ Wilson. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not here to argue for or against it from a roster perspective. But uh, the reason they didn't keep Sam Decker earlier in the year is because they his contract was not guaranteed until a certain date and keeping him would have had the raptors over the tax now uh to bore everybody with with salary cap minutia uh the luxury tax and salary and salary is not counted until the very last day of the regular season so the raptors would have until then theoretically to get under the luxury tax but the problem for them is that every one of the remaining contracts is fully guaranteed. So the ways to get under the tax uh, would, one, making a trade that in which you bring, out le- bring back less money than you send out, which is possible, or two, you buy out a player who maybe isn't with the team uh, for less money, for enough, mo- for enough of a difference that you, it moves you below the tax. Uh, and obviously, I'm talking about Goran Dragic there. Are those situations possible? Uh, I think so. Um, I just doubt the Raptors. Uh, like those situations are not within the Raptors' control entirely is the problem. So do you keep DJ Wilson and risk taking paying the tax? It probably depends how big you think that risk is, is my yeah. answer. Yeah, I feel like right now the response would probably be no, but in my heart, it's yes because yeah, I just feel like I, am. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like he's the kind of player that the Raptors like and need, and who would do really well in this organization. And I, yeah, I, I mean, our our friend James Herbert is a huge DJ Wilson stan, and has you know kind of gotten it into my head over the years that he's awesome <laughs> after watching him with the Bucks and yeah seeing him here for two games I really like him I want he, him he to did have in. a he had a 16 point game for the Bucks against the Raptors in the Raptors title year uh when the Bucks won in Toronto and I think he hit three three-pointers in that game uh and if I'm correct it's like one of those games where our friend Serge Ibaka had like the Bucks were leaving him open for every shot and he was not having a good night from the field uh, so I had this idea that DJ Wilson was a Raptor killer and which uh, in reality, it was probably just that one game. Uh, but I'm with James in the fact that when I see him, like he looks, he looks like he's an NBA player. And I think that goes to my, my sort of large 
or, or my opinion from watching all these guys play and not just Wilson, like they're on most teams, I would say there isn't a huge difference between roster players 12 through 17 and the like the best players on G League teams. Uh, like, like there's not a huge difference between those guys where we really get into a difference is when you get into the rotation of good teams. And of course, starters, which is why, again, the Raptors lost by four, 45 points to Cleveland, uh, and five points to, by five points to Philly. Uh, yeah, good, po- yeah. good, good like, players matter. It turns out <laughs> just mentioned going back to what you mentioned about Boucher in that Cleveland game, the difference between Boucher, who's like the long, like was the one of the longest tenured players on the court at that time for the Raptors compared to Wilson, who, you know, <laughs> literally met everybody at the arena or on the bus, you know, an hour before the game. And you mentioned like Wilson looked really good in that game too. Like he just, knows how to do things and knows how to do the right things. And I like him. Uh, yeah. So uh, not much to say about the Raptors. Other three players, Daniel Oturu had a very nice moment in the first half against mm-hmm. Philly where he blocked mm-hmm. Tyrese Maxey and sort of wrestled the ball away from Embiid, but, but not enough of uh, not enough playing time in mm-hmm. the context in which they'll be in or, or you, you would want them in to really uh, form full opinions. And with the Raptors, again, knock wood, hopefully getting to full health uh, as mm-hmm. we approach 2022, we might not see them in those roles. Segway. 2022, Holly, it's coming. Do you have resolutions? You don't need to answer that. Do I have resolutions? Uh, my resolution is the same as it's been for like the past 16 years, which is sleep better. But, you know, yeah. that doesn't really happen. You? Uh, yeah, I'm going to stop, try to stop engaging. On Twitter? With people, not <laughs> just with people who are loud and uh, obnoxious dis- and dis- like, disagreeable. Like I am yeah. willing to talk. That's not to say I'm not willing to talk to somebody who disagrees with me. What I, I just don't want to get sucked into these like time suck conversations in which nobody's changing the other's mind. Like I, I find myself, and that's not even to say all the people on the other end are necessarily, you know, bad faith actors or whatever, mm-hmm. but like that's, you know, I, I don't think this is uncommon in the internet age. That's where the majority <laughs> of my attention goes. Mm-hmm. And I always feel dumb like for you, And for like you wasted engaging. your time. Yeah, yeah. Like I wasted yeah. my time. I wasted the other person's time, frankly. I mean, they were an active participant as well. So like, I, I just, I want to have conversations, not like debates like or like angry debates which it, mm-hmm. which often seems like that's happening that's one i also need to eat fewer sweets i think i really like sweets candy. are you a sweets yeah i have a sweet tooth um i actually didn't you know what you do usually if there are good well in the before era in, in the before times <laughs> at, yes. at Bank arena you you do like to get the the sweets when they have baked goods at the media dining. Yeah. Um, but I never really considered that. I thought that was mostly just because you were bored there and like, what else are you going to do? What are your favorites? 
Um, I love like baked God- or candy. No, I mean I love all of it. Um, <laughs> okay. Like my my favorite all time dessert is key lime pie. Um, as we've discussed, I love a good carrot cake with the whipped cream uh, or the uh, cream cheese cream frosting. Cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of just like junk, junk like gummies, Swedish berries, really and, like, fuzzy. Be- I-, I love. I love them. I love glossette raisins uh, or chocolate covered <laughs> raisins. We don't need to give glossette any uh, at free advertising. Sponsor on this show. us. <laughs> uh, or yeah, yeah. Give me that sweet pun intended money glossette. Um, uh, yeah. I, and this comes right after uh, my Christmas tradition with my wife in which on Christmas Eve, we go to Bulk Barn and buy a ton of candy. And then on Christmas Day, watch a bunch of movies, uh, which this year we watched. Um, let's try to remember this, Eric. It was only three, four <laughs> days ago. Um, don't look up. Uh, I was going to say that. Th- I was going to guess that you watched that. Yeah. I don't I re- know why. I really didn't like it. I, um, uh, you know what? The people that have seen it, there's been a few people who've mentioned it to me, have all hated it. So Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we watched uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Okay. Uh, and we watched uh, the Steven Soderbergh movie, which I cannot remember the name of right now. It's a... Uh, it's a uh, sort of a heist film. Uh, uh, no sudden move, says my wife. Uh, Who's in it? Who's uh, in that movie? Don Cheadle is in it. Uh, Benicio del Toro is in it. It was released earlier in the year, not a Christmas release. Uh, this uh, is going to sound crazy. Is John Hamm in this? John Cham. John Cham. John Hamm does have a role in it. He does. Um, okay, I remember seeing the seeing the trailer. And it's like very dramatic and kind of funny to watch also. Yeah. Yeah. No, I liked it. Um, okay. They were sort of the opposites or uh, not, not uh, Barb and Star, uh, which was just a silly movie, but like uh, down uh, don't look up was like a broad, big movie trying to make a big point. And uh, no sudden move was like, not that it was quiet, but it was like a, a much more subtler movie just trying to kind of be entertaining uh, from that perspective. And uh, I don't like what being hit over the head with a moral in a movie. We talked about this we with ta- books yeah, we did, earlier. Yeah, we talked yep. about it. It's like, give me a good story. And if it ends up having – like a good story will inevitably have some important life lessons – but, but like, let I, I don't me take want, that. I don't opposed, want, yeah, yeah, I don't want the lesson to be the foundation of the book. I want the characters and or, or movie. I want the characters and plot to be the foundation, and whatever that happens to produce, that produces. Um, if that makes sense. But I think we've gone afield. I need to stop <laughs> eating so much candy. Um, <laughs> so twenty twenty two. For the Raptors, not talking about resolutions, but I have in The Athletic, on The Athletic, whatever uh, preposition you want to use, I will have an article about the five big questions that I think will define 2022 for the Raptors. Uh, You can read that on The Athletic, uh, likely on If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, make that your New Year's resolution. Subscribe. Give yourself the gift of great content year-round. Thank you. Um... And, uh, but you can hear us talk about it right now. 
which I'm going to do. Um, I thought you were going to say you were going to have an article about resolutions. And I was like, yes, I will read the hell out of that. So I'm a little disappointed, I have to say. Yeah, I try to, not always successfully, but I try to stay away from like gimmick articles. So like sometimes New Year's, res- sometimes they are fun, but like New Year's resolution or the 12, you know, days or lessons of Christmas or or whatever. The eight crazy plays of Hanukkah. Um <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> you're really going all over the place today. Yeah. Also, earlier in this in this episode, I was trying to like say it at some point, but you were your point was longer than I thought, so I couldn't like edge in. And but now you're gonna. This, do this it. is so dumb. I don't know why I'm doing it. You're talking about the salary cap, but the first time you said it, my brain like I would swear you said salary cap, and I was trying so hard not to like laugh and then i wanted to tell you and the moment had passed and clearly the moment has passed now but yeah no weirdly i loved it weirdly celery and hummus might be the answer to my candy problem um because it's a nice filling snack that uh has infinitely less sugar um the raptors who we're talking about (laughs) five big questions which i think will define the calendar year of 2022 uh, Eric, Holly, does the three forward lineup work as well in practice as in theory? I see what you're doing there. Uh, <laughs> Holly doesn't necessarily want to question comment on number this. one. Uh, <laughs> Eric so, sent the questions this time. Yeah, um, so they're obviously things he has given thought to. For sure, uh, as you will be able to read in the athletic or on the <laughs> athletic. Uh, so just. For a baseline, <laughs> yes. OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes. Guess how many mm-hmm. minutes they've played together this year? Well, all three. Well, of this them was going to be my response. My response was going to be, "How do we know?" Because I feel like we haven't seen it enough. This is why it's a question and not an answer about 2022. <laughs> it's not an answer of 2021. It's a question about 2022. Well, I my can't... response... <laughs> but can you just my answer response... my trivia question? God, how many minutes have they played together? I don't know how many. 75 in, wow. four, in four games. So that tells wow. you they're playing... When they are playing, even when Pascal Siakam was on a minutes restriction, they were playing about 18 minutes together per game, which is a lot. Uh, yep. It just so happens that they've only all been available in the same game uh, four times. That kind of says it all, like from for this question, but just for this season as a whole right there. I definitely would have thought the number of available games for those um, three would have been higher than four. But I guess it makes sense. I mean, OG was out for a really long time after Pascal came back. So, yeah. Yeah. And... Like, if you were to ask me before the season, like, obviously, I would have, you can't necessarily predict health. So I would have predicted fewer minutes per game together, but lots more total time together. And I think the things that have changed that are obviously the injuries, but also, like, Barnes' ability to handle whatever comes his way. Like, you you can't limit this guy to 25 Mm -hmm. minutes a game. You have to basically play him 30 minutes per game or else, Mm -hmm. you know, what are you doing here? So that's how you get up to 18 minutes per game. And while I think that's probably pretty high over a sustained period of time, they those three guys on the floor at the same time are at the heart of what the Raptors are trying to do and trying to figure out. Um, Mm -hmm. So 
you know, again, I'm not offering answers here. I think defensively, there's very limited reason why it shouldn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think they each, they're each different enough that they, they provide their own like super strengths. I think we've talked about this a bit. Like OG Ananobi is probably the best on ball defender. Scotty Barnes is probably the best like interior defender and pure strength defender. Although OG, frankly, is pretty close in that area as well. Uh, while Siakam is like the best weapon in terms of like running guys off the line or like helping the Raptors recover in rotations. Like he's just so quick and agile that uh, he's able to make up so much ground on on that side of whether they're playing zone or they're just in rotations. Uh, The bigger questions come on offense. uh, And I think that depends a lot where the three point percentages for Siakam and uh, Barnes stabilize. And it also depends the growth we see from all of them as creators. And I can't begin to answer what that will look like. Um, but it, I think it is unquestionably the biggest on-court question for the remainder of this season. But, you know, I feel like even just listening to you talk there, you kind of make the case for yes, um, it does or it will, just because... Scotty is already so far ahead of what I think anyone could have predicted, including the Raptors this season. And you're seeing just how much he can do already. And the you're seeing glimpses of who you think or hope, like the type of player he's going to become. So, yeah, I mean, I get, I, sorry, I'm kind of talking around the question again. But Yes, I think it will work as well in practice as in theory. Or I think it will work even better once we get a sustained amount of games and times, um, minutes for these guys to to be together and play together and figure that um, out. I think, you know, bar, given that Ananobi and Siakam are just more experienced and, and have you know, more reps, they'll probably be relied on more as like creators than Barnes. But I want to, you know, move us to the next question because I think that is, you know, the most fascinating question about the Raptors as a whole and where they're going. And, And that question is, how will the Raptors shape Scotty Barnes off season? And there's a few numbers I want to throw at you, Holly. Uh, so, per Synergy Sports, guess how many times Scotty Barnes has shot as a pick-and-roll ball handler this year? 23. Guess how many times he's shot as, a, as the roller? 15. So, that's not very much. Um, and I think that's partly because the Raptors you know, aren't a heavy pick and roll team, especially when Van Vliet isn't involved. Um, they are they are more, as weird as it sounds to say, more of an isolation team. They're more of like just a free movement and attack team. Um, but I think if we're really trying to zone in on what Scotty Barnes' best individual skill is on, offensively, it's probably his passing and his vision at this point. 
And a good way to take advantage of that is to involve him uh, more often in the pick and roll because that's where you get to dissect defense. That's where you get to make quick decisions on the move. That's where you can figure out when the defense is most off balance as opposed to playing, you know, open sort of freestyle basketball. And like to that point, like I think we can all remember moments where Barnes has been good in the post or good as an isolation guy, but that really hasn't been his strength uh, in terms of his efficiency this year. It's much more in transition. It's much more on the offensive glass it's much more in sort of making those second opportunities for himself. But I think in order to take full advantage of that um, that vision, priority number one has to be his ball handling this offseason. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like even dating back to the preseason, the things that like stood out to me the most were his passing ability and just his ability to see the floor, even with teammates that he didn't know at that point, you know, like he didn't know their games. He wasn't really familiar with them. That's just something that comes so naturally to him that for sure, um, for sure, I think that's like his strongest, his strongest strength right now. But also, I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It kind of feels like five months ago now, but we talked about end of game situations and where we thought the team should go. And we sort of got around to like, who do you want to take the last shot? And I remember saying to you, like, I kind of feel like I wanted to be Scotty already. Like I kind of want to put him in those positions. Like I just feel so, I feel like his potential is so great. And he, could be that player and the sooner he gets in those positions and has you know has those situations to to go through and to learn from and to succeed in or or fail at and and then then get better um the 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 quicker his growth is going to be so i also feel like you know you mentioned putting him in the best situation uh to get you know to get the most out of out of who he is now i also want to see him be more of the guy. Yeah, and by that you mean sort of like an isolation creator uh, or or just attacking mismatches. And we've seen a lot of that. And I, I think, you know, I think the real answer is they don't have to pick one thing. It's just a – like what I'm interested in is which way the Raptors nudge him like, like you don't, and, and also like what I'm saying is what I, the the role that I'm talking about is also a mental thing too. You know, yeah. like they, I feel like that will probably be something that would have to be communicated to a young player who's you know playing with other players that kind of hold those keys right now, and you know? who and who loves getting other people involved. Like mm-hmm. he, he's mm-hmm. like deferential in some ways to a fault, which is why we've heard Nick Nurse like 
beg him, urge shoot him more. To, to shoot, <laughs> like shoot at, like don't yeah. question the shots you're taking because yeah. Nurse knows that, like there are some players, like let's say Chris Boucher, who you don't want to encourage to shoot more because they are going to take their shots. Yes, yes. And there are some players who Scotty, who are Scotty, like Scotty Barnes, who you do want to encourage to shoot more because they are going to err on the side of defer, deferring. And that'll be a fascinating push pull to watch as, as, you know, you have a bunch of more experienced players, uh, who certainly have the ability to get their own shot off. I mean, we've been talking about late game offense so much uh, over the last forever that I don't really want to talk about it more. But, you know, handing the keys to a 20 or 21-year-old, weird thing to do. But, I I mean, I think we're obviously going to get there sooner rather than later. It's just a a a matter of time. Uh, Talking about uh, experience... Uh, and having the keys, here we go. Yeah, Fred Van Vliet. Uh, <laughs> yes. So he signed his new contract, uh, which still feels kind of new, to the, uh, with the Raptors in November 2020, which is two off-seasons ago because time has no meaning, uh, even though it was only 13 months ago, uh, which means he will be eligible for a contract extension next off season uh I, I mean at least in theory uh they'll have to figure out what the calendar version of november 2020 is to the <laughs> J- july 2022 off season not going to speculate on that other than i feel fairly confident in saying there will be a window for which the raptors can sign him to an extension uh so it's this one's very interesting because i mean Part of what we've talked about, Barnes obviously is like the, if there's one foundational not going anywhere piece, it's Scotty Barnes and he's 20. Van Vliet is, 20, is 27 turning 28. Uh, I don't think that makes, you know, them mutually exclusive and rules Van Vliet out from the long-term picture of the Raptors, but it does complicate things. Saying that, uh, there was another point guard who didn't become an all-star until his 28-year-old season, under undersized, maybe not super athletic or quick. Uh, and he uh, showed how a player like that might be able to contribute well into his 30s. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll leave the imagination, <laughs> the, the listener's imagination going there. Uh, but I've done the math. The Raptors, if Van, so if you remember, Van Vliet signed a four season contract worth about $85 million. Uh, the fourth season being a player option. So, uh, after the season, the Raptors will be able to extend the deal and they could either do it by Van Vliet opting out of his 23 of his two. So not next season, but the season after. Of the, uh, I believe it's 23 million or 24 million, something like that, that he is owed that season and signing an extension that could be worth up to about, let's see here, 116.3 million over four years. And that would make the total value that he is owed about 138 million over five years. Or he can opt in to that second year of his, or the the fourth year, the last year of his current deal. And uh, so the extension would be about 123.5 million over the following four years. 
and would make the Raptors owe him approximately $168 million over six years. Now, first of all, it sounds like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money. Second of all, there's the weird age thing. Third of all, there's Van Vliet, who is Mr. Bet on Yourself, (laughs) and maybe he wants to hit free agency and thinks that is the path to the most money. Uh, So I feel pretty confident in saying there will be negotiation discussions. What do you think? What do you think is the likely of something <laughs> likelihood of something getting done? Yeah, uh, that's interesting because it's Fred, and because, as you mentioned, he is Mister Bet on Yourself, and um, <laughs> I think the Raptors, of course, will try to extend him. But that's a really interesting thing to think about because I think a lot of players have a certain amount of pride about going into free agency, you know? Like a lot of players, sometimes they just want to experience it. They want to see what it's like. They want to they want to just, you know, field offers, see what's out there, see what would be the best for them and their family. So, ugh. <laughs> um I just don't see Fred being somewhere else and maybe that's just me being stupid and emotionally attached to Fred, which I am more to any player in Raptors history outside of DeMar DeRozan. So I'm definitely biased here, probably the worst person you could be having this conversation with. My apologies. Um, But like you mentioned, for all of the reasons that you mentioned, um, Kyle, uh, the blueprint was created by Kyle's career here. And Fred came up with Kyle and watched that and is, you know, doing all of those things himself at a much quicker pace, like in his career, age-wise and years-wise. I just feel like this is the right place for Fred. This is his, he's the face of the franchise, even if Scotty is the face of, becomes the face of the franchise, you know, like you mentioned Scotty being the guy and like the core, if there's a core, and I'm, I'm certainly not disagreeing with that. But I think that Fred has become that emotional player to this team and the fan base. And I think he knows that. And I do think he values that. I do think that he appreciates the role he has here, not just with the team, but also with the country, like in terms of business deals and, you know, a lot of the stuff that he does away from the floor, a lot of the ventures that he has and a lot of the things that mean a lot to him. Um, I can't see him leaving. But then, re- you me- but, yeah. then when, but then when you mentioned Mr. Bet on yourself, I think if there's more money somewhere, why wouldn't he go? Yeah. Full disclosure. I haven't. I haven't done like a deep dive on what the free agency situations in 2023 and 2024 would look like. And he's surely going to do that. In my heart of hearts, uh, I think there's like a compromise here where maybe it's like two plus three, including a player option on the end in which Van Vliet can get back on the market at 32 and, and maybe try to, you know, get, and reassess his value then. And meanwhile, you're opting into, you know, basically something approaching $27, $28 million a year. Uh, 
Which is pretty good. Which is incredible when you consider this was a guy who was undrafted. And God, I just... I will forever just be overjoyed at any and every success that Fred Van Vliet has, whether it's here or elsewhere. But you can tell by the way that you're answering this question, you are extremely like well-reasoned and calm. And I am just like, I can feel my shoulders being going up to my ears because I'm tense just talking about it because I'm completely not, I, I, I can't be rational when it comes to Fred because he's just the best. Uh, that's why we call ourselves. I would be devastated if he... If Fred Van Vliet is not a Raptor in two, three, four, five, ten years, if Fred Van Vliet is in the NBA and he's not a Toronto Raptor, I will be devastated. Um, this is going to be the last big picture question. There's one more that's sort of related to this that I'll, that I'll save for the article. Um, if you picture uh, winning versus development as a continuum, Holly, and you have teams like Detroit and Oklahoma City, they're on the far left end of the right. of the spectrum. And teams like the Lakers and Nets uh, mm-hmm. or Bucks, they're on the far right end of the spectrum. And so let's call the Pistons or the Thunder one and the Lakers 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, where would you put the Raptors right now? And second Ooh. of all, where do you think over the next year – do you think they will start to lean more toward the winning or more toward the development side? I think that they were, I think entering this season, they were prepared to be in the development side. So like not one or two on the scale, but like, let's develop what we have. Let's look for ways to get better. But I think that that has changed multiple times, even during this season, you know, like from the outside, it looked like, wow, the team is better than we anticipated. Let's keep trying to win. And then because of injuries and the world that we live in currently, um, it kind of looked like, okay, this may be a season where they're not going to, you know, get to 500 even or, you know, make it to the play-in or go to, you know, make a run in the playoffs. So maybe this will be a development year. But then the play of Scotty has just been so much better than I think we all expected that I do feel like the team, I feel like their timeline has shortened. I don't like, like the development era has shortened to what it was at the beginning of the season. I don't think that next year will be totally like we're going all in, but I do think that the window has shortened. Yeah. Uh, I would put them like currently at something like a four, like so basically what you said, but I think they're a lot more likely to become a six or a seven than a two or a one Mm -hmm. uh, over the next year. Like Um, I don't think they'll stay at – for next year. I think I think, I think it's will. totally possible, although you you sort of like if you're staying at a 4 uh, or if you're not making a move, you're sort of inherently bumping up a little bit because mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. letting your guys grow. So like develop. Yeah, yeah. Um and eventually if you're just developing your own guys, you're doing it to win. But I think, you know, if we're thinking are they going to make a are they going to try to get better in the short term or are they going to trade veterans for pieces i think a trade to get better and not short term is the wrong word but in the nearer term let's say is more slightly more likely than the opposite Um, they're going they're also going to make fred van vliet a raptor for life 
Uh, okay. <laughs> Raptors Irrationalists brought to you by Glosset. Uh, <laughs> you should not, you should not have brought that up because now my heart is, is, uh, is focused on that. Okay. Quick hit questions quick hit for questions. 2022. Yes. Fred Van Vliet, all star and or all defense. Uh, I am <laughs> saying no and no. How about you? <sighs> You know what? I'm saying no and no, not because I think he shouldn't, but because I think the record is probably going to... No, you know what? I'm going to change that. I'm going to say no to all defense, which is ridiculous that he hasn't already been on that. Um, And I think that'll just be an unfortunate trend that continues because a lot of people don't watch the Raptors and their record will not be, you know, what it would take to make the eyes go there. But I think All-Star, yeah, why not? Why doesn't Toronto and Canada make that happen and uh, and yeah. make Fred Van Vliet realize he loves Canada and wants to be here always. Yeah, I would say yeah. All-Star is more likely than All-Defense, and not only because there are only four chances for him to get into the former and uh, or All-Defense, and 12 chances for him to be in as an All-Star. Math! Uh, it makes sense sometimes. Uh, Scotty Barnes, Rookie of the Year, yes or no? No, I think it's going to be, we're going to go with Cleveland. Cleveland's playing so well. If the Raptors had the same record as the Cavs, then I think it probably would have been Barnes, but yeah. Watch, Darius Garland will get in over Van Vliet as an all-star, and Evan Mobley will win Rookie of the Year over <laughs> Oh, I didn't Barnes. even say Mobley, I just said Cleveland. Sorry, yes. I yeah, think no, I, yeah. I think it will be Mo- Mobley. What, you, what do you think? I, I agree. Uh, that would okay. be my pick right now. Uh, will the Raptors... Make uh, will they be in the play-in tournament, and will they make the playoffs proper? They will be in the play-in tournament, and assuming they have their roster health, like health, you know, assuming guys are not out like it was in Cleveland, then yes, they will make the playoffs. Uh, I will, as I predicted at the beginning of the season, I say they make the play-in tournament, but do not advance to the playoffs. Uh, will all? You don't have to say which one. But will all of Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Gary Trent Jr. be on the Raptors at the end? I wrote 2023. That's not what I meant. Will they be on the Raptors at the end of 2022? So the end of this season, like the end of this season next calendar, that we're happening right next now? Next calendar year. The end of this season? So be the end of this season and through <laughs> December of next season. Oh, okay. So before next season's trade deadline. Sure. Let's say that. Right? I, um, I mean, it's, yes. Yeah. yes, they will be. Yes, they will be. Uh, I'm going to say no, but I'm not even going to say who's going to be traded. But you're not, it better not be Fred Van Vliet that, that's on that list. That's how I worded my question. I'm going to okay. use uh, that out. Uh, will Yutana Watanabe be on the Toronto Raptors on December 31st, yes, 2022? Yes, yes uh, he will be. And finally, not necessarily a 22. You didn't answer Utah. What do you I th- think? I think he will be as well. Okay. Um, he's a restricted free agent, by the way, at the end of the season. Finally, and this isn't just a 2022 quick hit question, although who knows? Maybe it is. When will Scotty <laughs> Barnes make his first All-Star game? Which year's All-Star game will be his first? Ooh, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to guess 2024. So his third season. So not this season, not next season, the season after. Yeah. Yes. When you said November 2020 for something, 
for Fred in yeah. my brain, I immediately was like, oh, last month. And then it took me as you were talking to realize that wasn't a last month. So bring back the 2022 memes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool. Are you going to answer my question? Oh, um, sorry. You said 2024. Yeah. So right now it's 2022, 23. No, but but next, but this All Star, I the, think that's the, wrong. The upcoming All Star game is the 2022 All Star game. And you said 24. Okay, okay. So I'll say 2023. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that would be. I really like them. That would <laughs> you think? Uh, that would be to borrow a phrase. Spicy. Um, I think that's all we got for y'all. That for, would be crazy. But uh, like, yeah, it's a go. it's a quick timeline, but stupid. I'm uh, not stupider. I, I mean, it's not crazy. The guy's been really good. Like, if his growth is accelerated, if maybe he's you- in a bit more, it's just hard for me to picture. A guy, like I haven't looked at, I don't know what Barnes' usage rate is right now, but he'd have to probably make a I pretty know. significant jump from then, this off from season. Now the off then. season focus would have to be very much on the, we're giving you the keys and maybe they will. Do you remember in DeMar DeRozan's, I think it was his, I guess it would have been his rookie year when he didn't make the rookie sophomore game and Scotty Weems, Scotty Weems, Sonny Weems, when he, when Doug Smith, like told him the news, how upset he was during his pregame availability, his shoot around availability. You don't remember this? I, I remember it, but like, honestly, there were several rookie game snubs and I'm, I'm yes, saying snubs yes. in my, you know, quote voice because honestly, who cares? Um, I care. Players care. I know. It's just hard for me to get worked up about these things. Now, can you name? Okay. The oh, no, player I can't. who everybody was mad that made it. I can't remember if this is Demar or Ed Davis who made it over one of them. Uh, yeah, it was a Detroit Pistons. It sure and was. I'm, and I'm blanking on his name. Can I, I'll give you a second clue. He okay. was on the 2019 Golden State Warriors, who the Raptors played in the finals. Oh no! Really? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, his initials are JJ. Jerebko? Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? I, I believe so. I'm like 98% sure. I was thinking it was a totally different name. It was a totally different player, but I did know that it was a piston. And I remember Sonny Weems being like so mad. And and it just, I love that moment because it, it was just really... He was supporting his man. Young guns forever. Uh, That's all we got for you in uh, the year 2021. uh, We we thank you for listening. Have a happy and safe New Year's. Be reasonable. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to, you're going to try to eat less sweets and I'm going to try to calm down about Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, no, it makes for good content. Don't calm down. You're here for the content, Holly. That's as the, only, we, that's the only reason stop, you're useful. <laughs> as soon as we stop recording, you're going to say you should probably take it down a couple notches. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. It's good. Like, I, I'm not going to, you know, lose my poop. Uh, so we need you for that uh, because everybody gets freaked out when I get optimistic about things. So I can't do that. That is true. 
Um, everybody be safe. Remember that your individual decisions at this time in the uh, pandemic are really, really important. And uh, so take yourself, your loved ones, and everybody else into account. Thank you so much for listening. Holly, thank you for joining me from Nova Scotia. Happy New Year, Eric. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year, y'all. See ya!